Eels off the dock. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. Welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. Um, my name's Hugh Cavill, and as much as I'd like to introduce uh, some co-hosts for this evening, unfortunately, we've had a few technical issues on the recording. We sat down on Tuesday night, we recorded the podcast, which, look, it, it was a 7 out of 10, I reckon. Maybe maybe an 8, so look, I don't want to make you feel like you're missing out. Um, but unfortunately, the, the, the vagaries of Skype recording... Um, We've battled with for about five years now, and we still haven't really conquered it. And unfortunately, um, the recording failed, and, and uh, it was it was a little bit garbled, and, and unfortunately, uh, not fit for the podcast. And you've heard some of our podcasts before; it's a pretty low bar uh, if something's not fit for our podcast. But unfortunately, um, even this one uh, was below it. So unfortunately, there's there's no there's no podcast with with Matt and Reg. This week, um, and so my sincere apologies uh, to everyone because I know you know we've got a loyal fan base now that that numbers you know over twenty, um, which is uh, still something of a surprise to all of us because um, you know even I drift in and out of the podcast sometimes. Although that's mainly when Matt's off on a rant. So yeah, so look here, here I am on my own. I'm doing a bit of a solo show tonight, channeling my inner Alan Jones. Um, trying to run through some of the topics that we covered and give my opinions on them, which really are the only ones that matter anyway. So I suppose this is a bit more of a condensed version of the podcast, but in many senses, it's it's a better version because we don't have you know the Queensland influence from Reg. We don't have the sort of chip-on-the-shoulder conspiracy theories from Matt. It's just me, the voice of reason on the podcast, really the reason why those 20 or so people actually listen. So... I'm going to run through a few things tonight. Not the five burning questions, just just a bit of a summary of, of some of the stuff that's been, you know, taking taking my fancy uh, over the last week or so of footy. So we'll start start with Wallabies uh, against the Springboks, and, and the guys on the report card covered it pretty well. And I, I recommend listening to that one if you haven't. It, it's a it's a cracker. But um, yeah, twenty seven all. <laughs> I thought I thought it was a, a pretty amazing game. Actually, we we saw uh, the best uh, attacking rugby from the Wallabies we'd seen in a long time, and and I think Brett Mackay um, from the Raw summed it up pretty well. And you know, he said the game in Perth, um, neither side deserved to win uh, the draw between the the Box and the Wallabies the first time, but in the game last week, uh, it was a draw, and neither side deserved to lose. Actually, I think both sides showed really great attacking endeavour. And, you know, it probably would have been a shame if, if either side had clinched it in the end because they'd shown so many good moments that a draw was probably a fitting result. Um, and look, a lot to be happy about for a Wallabies fan. I think we're finally seeing some progress, seeing the team actually grow week to week and probably lose a bit of that inconsistency that we've seen for the past 18 months, actually, and start to string some performances together. I mean, it's a real shame we couldn't get the win in one sense, but, um, you know, that, that attack is really firing and some of those tries we scored were, were really beautiful. The defence has still got some issues, but look, it's South Africa on the high veld. You're always going to have those issues, and there's a reason why we've only won once there you know, in about 40 years, and it's really, really tough to do so. And, and look, this South African side's not fantastic, but they're still pretty good, and they're still South Africa in South Africa, so I think we should probably you know, keep that in mind when we, when we analyse the performance of the team. Um, you know, as always, we'll, you know, the next week always tells you more, and we've got to back it up against Argentina, but you know, there's some signs... 
there's some good signs coming out of this team and there's some reasons why we could be cautiously optimistic um, as we move into uh, 2018 in the spring tour because you know we're starting to see some consistency in selection. That back line looks quite stable. We've been remarkably lucky with injuries that we almost have got no one injured at the moment, which is fantastic and hopefully Carmichael Hunt comes back. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's all sort of slowly starting to come together, you hope. So that was you know, my, my top-line takeaway from that South Africa game. Um, you know, let's going through some players though, and and some that we discussed on the podcast. Um, uh, Marika Korobiti, uh as first first starter, um, I thought was was amazingly good. Um, you know, he had some issues on defence, and occasionally he was out of position. But you're going to get that on the wing, and especially when South Africa were were had such intent to spread the ball wide, continually putting him in a decision uh, a position where he had to make um, tough defensive decisions. He did that. You know, I think he picked right about 80% of the time. And for a winger, that's a pretty good strike rate, I think. And some of his physicality was, was fantastic too, you know. Some of those hits, people were staying hit. And I think it was great to see where Henry Spate probably struggled a bit in that domain in the past couple of years. But it looks like Marika's got it, got it um, you know, set. And so his attack was great too. And, and I think probably a testament to Michael Checker, bringing him through the Wallaby camp system, taking him on the end of year tour, really working on his development. I think it's, it's paid dividends. And, and we spoke a bit about that on the podcast and Reg, Reg disagreed with me. And I, I think he'd be uh, screaming it through his earphones now to, to, to say that. So I have to put it on record. And Reg disagreed that, that uh, Checker should have taken him on the end of season tour last year. And, and I think he stands by that. But you know, Reg, he sometimes, um, you know, goes a bit off base with this stuff. And I think we can just put that down to, you know, just him having a bad day and, and not seeing the logic of the situation. So uh, thanks for the input, Reg, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll move on. Um, Jack Dempsey starting as well. Uh, you know, I don't think he was as impressive, certainly quiet, uh, probably enough to show that he deserved another start. But uh, I think the jury's still out there. Um, and same with Isaac Rodder, who, you know, really struggled to put himself in that game. But, you know, it, it, that can be hard. And I think, you know, these things can't happen overnight, so I think we give him another chance as well. Uh, the standout performances, other than that, I did the ratings on the website and I gave man of the match to Bernard Foley, uh, to the to the screams of the usual quarters. But I thought he had a, uh, he had a great game. And look, he he had a couple of clanger kicks, and and that's going to happen. But I think that was more than made up for by his his uh, contributions in attack, which were were pretty amazing. And they, those three tries that he set up. Uh, Real high career highlight real tries from him there, so I thought I thought that was great to see. And actually, you know, not so much because of Foley, but our, our kicking performance was fantastic. Reese Hodge and Kurt Beale especially. I think we won the battle of battle the kicking battle, and you know, Bernard Foley off the tee kicking perfectly too was was great to watch. So you know, that's a that's a real positive to take out. I think Michael Hooper and Sean McMahon in the back row are just just continuing to do what they do. And it's, their, their consistency is amazing, and, and they both had great games. And the other one I heard that, that Matt pointed out, and I also agree with, is, is Will Genia. He's got that fitness back. He's got that speed to the ruck and that accuracy in the pass. And now all of a sudden, he's starting to give laser service from the base of the ruck, and it just makes such a difference. It gets our forwards rolling forward. It gets Bernard Foley into holes before the opposition have a chance to react. It's you know, uh, everything that we need from a halfback. And then you've got Will Genia's running game on top of that, which is always threatening. So, I mean, he's finally got to that form that he had last year and he's had in his prime, which is also great to see. So, you know, there's some really good signs in that Wallaby sort of back row, back line combo because um, uh, they're really starting to hit their straps. Um, so I think that's that's the takeaways from the game itself. Um, 
And, you know, now I suppose to, to my rant for the week, which is a segment in this podcast, the Hugh Cavill solo podcast, where I um, break from my the rest of my ranting to go into a separate rant. So strap yourselves in because this is going to be great. Um, and it's Michael Checker against referees. And that was, that was my real uh, bugbear from the coverage of the game on the weekend. And it's this pattern of Michael Checker bagging out refs in the post-game press conference. And, you know, I've been in post-game press conferences with Michael Checker and he's captivating. He answers questions. He doesn't speak in cliches. You know, he gives genuine insight into some real issues that coaches and players face. Um, and occasionally that honesty can lead him into trouble, and it does every time with the refs. Most coaches in international rugby realise that you're not going to get anything out of complaining about referees. The media are going to run with it, and you're not going to control that story, so just play a straight bat. Say the ref was good, say the ref was okay, and say that the game was decided by the players and not the referee. And Michael Checker does that, but then the press needle him, and they ask him more questions, and he just can't keep his mouth shut. So he had a crack at Ben O'Keefe on the weekend. He said that, you know, Elton Yanchi's handled the ball on the ground and there were some incorrect decisions and there was a forward pass and, you know, really going through the minutiae of what happened in that game. And it's just a bad look. And, of course, the press ran with it. And the comments were reasonable enough. Yes, there was a forward pass. Yes, Elton Yanchi's did handle the ball on the ground. Yes, there are issues that needed to be, you know, overcome there. And he also praised Ben O'Keefe. He said he was a good referee. He said he didn't decide the game. But the... Media had the story. They had that bait. They had, you know, Michael Checker taking it hook, line, and sinker. And now they had a story, which was, once again, Checker bags the ref. And it's just ugly. And it's not a great example for the players. It's not a great example for the kids. It's not a great example for Australian rugby. And it's become a narrative now. Every single game, there's a story about him bagging the refs, it seems. And it's just a really, um, really bad look. And the other thing is... What do we gain out of it anyway? You know, even in the best of times, what could we possibly hope to gain? World Rugby have turned off him. You know, he's not getting any headway with the referees anyway, and especially if you're bagging that in the media, you're not going to see a change on the field. So really, the best coaches in World Rugby actually use it as a tactic occasionally, and they might have one go a year. You know, pick your battle. If you can pick one a year, then it has real resonance. People actually take notice. And, you know, you, yes, you might get some criticism for it, but at the same time, you might also get a result. But, you know, at the moment, he's the boy who cried wolf. He's going off every week about refereeing, and it just doesn't achieve anything. And the times it actually matters, well, people will stop listening anyway, and it's just Checker having a rant. So that's my two cents on that. And, uh, Michael, if you're listening, um, just tone it down a bit. You know, we love your honesty. We love your comments, but just dial it back just a little bit. So that's that rant. Looking forward, we've got the Argentina game this weekend. Um, it's always a great one to watch at home at 9 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. It's just a little bit of bacon and eggs, a little, you know, um, freshly pressed juice, if that's your thing, a coffee, you know, beautiful. Sit there in front of the TV, can't wait. Um, I don't see too many changes. I think, I think Michael Chick is pretty comfortable with the team he's got. You know, front row, back row, um, back line, I think will stay pretty similar. Of course, we've got the rotating circus in the second row. God knows who's going to play this week. Um, but, you know, I'd love to see Isaac Rodder get another start just to see him build a bit of consistency. Um, and the same, you know, with Jack Dempsey at six. I think he deserves another run. So, look, you know, ideally, I think I'd like to see an unchanged lineup. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some, some switches on the bench. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a guy like Billy Meeks come on. Um, for, for to try and get his test debut. I think he's been working in the squad and, and by all accounts doing quite well. Uh, I think 
yeah, look, I think we might see probably Rob Simmons floating around. We'll see, um, uh, I wouldn't say Hendrik Tui, um, Luke Tui, sorry, um, to be put into the side. That's a chance. You know, the talk of him playing six. I think he looked good off the bench. I wouldn't be uh, flocking to put him in the starting 15, but, you know, there's a chance of that happening. So, look, I'd love to see an unchanged side. And, look, Argentina and Argentina, always a tough ask. We've got the wood on them recent in recent times, and I think it's important that we, we don't take our foot off the pedal. We've got an All Blacks game in a couple of weeks' time, and that's looming up as being quite important in front of a home crowd. And it'll have a lot of eyeballs on it, given that now the footy season's over, cricket season hasn't started yet. And I think we need to be firing at our peak there to restore faith in the restore faith in the Wallabies after what's happened, you know, over the past couple of years. And I think if we can build with a good win in Argentina, and it's you know it might not be pretty because Argentina generally can drag you down a little bit into a physical battle. Um, but if we can come away with a with a win by you know over a try and and carry that confidence into the Brisbane Bledisloe game, even though it's a dead rubber, that Brisbane Bledisloe, I think there's still a lot to be gained out of it. So I'd love to see some stability and those attacking, you know, that, that attacking prowess to continue to develop because we've scored some great tries this year. And, you know, once we tighten that defence, I I'm hope that we can really put some points on Argentina like we did a couple of years ago where we put 50 on them at home. I mean, that's a, that's a big ask, but I think, uh, I think this team's capable of it. So that's the internationals done. I'll quickly touch on a couple of other subjects, you know, just to just to keep it interesting. Um, because look, I'm I'm assuming most people have turned off this by now. I mean, I'm pretty monotonous at the best of times. I repeat certain phrases uh, like I say, you know, a lot, which is a really annoying. I know. <laughs> I say look a lot. Yeah. So I don't blame you if you've turned off at this point. But uh, look, for the for the few who remain, um, hi mum, hi dad. Uh, we'll 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 plough on <laughs> into a couple of topics in domestic rugby uh, that have that have happened over the last few days. And the first is the Queensland Reds. What is going on up there? We've got a new coach, Brad Thorne, Nick Styles. Uh, another one uh, to get the arse there, another payout for the board um, and another new dawn in Brisbane. And I don't know what the, what the rationale is. This could turn out to be a visionary decision in a few years' time. Brad Thorne could be a genius and the work he's done with Queensland Country uh, is fantastic in the NRC. Um, but I actually recall another coach who had great success in the NRC. He actually won two titles, uh, really dominated the NRC for a couple of seasons uh, and that man was Nick Styles. And look where he look where he is now. He was given a hospital pass with a team with a you know a, a half um, complete roster. He had issues with his playing group. He had um, really no chance to to um, actually get his uh, stamp his authority on that team. Uh, and so you know the results weren't great. Uh, but really he was given a uh, he was given a bad deal. And now he's been given the arse. And I've got to say I feel for Nick Styles. And look, he might not be a fantastic coach. He might not be the man to take the Reds. Back to the promised land that you and Mackenzie took them to back in the you know early 2010s. But God, I just feel for him. I think he's been given a really rough deal here, and and I hope he goes and finds an assistant job somewhere, or you know, it goes overseas and actually uses this as a as a knockback, but not the final knockback, because I still think he's got a lot to give to Australian rugby. Um, and and to Brad Thorne, good luck. I think um, inheriting a roster that's got enough talent in it to actually. Um, you know, make a real run. But uh, I think if you're a Reds fan, you wouldn't be too optimistic about next year because I, I just can't see uh, the, the constant merry-go-round of coaching changes being at all positive for that team. So, yeah. but let's hope for the best, hey, for, for the Queenslanders. I know, um, I know Reg will be and, and uh, 
hoping that they yeah get back to get back to those glory days. Um, NRC, as I said, Queensland Country looked to be the surprise packet of the of the tournament, but uh, I've, uh, there's a few sterling performances put in by uh, a team like Canberra who flogged Fiji last week, and and also um, I think. Uh, a team like Perth, who had a big win over, I think it was the uh, the the Queensland of Brisbane City, um, and so it looks like the the pack started to separate, and we've got Fiji, Canberra, Queensland Country, and Perth at the top, and the other teams sort of scrabbling around for for the for the minor placings. Um, but yeah, it, it's building into a really interesting crescendo, and and every side I think is still probably feels like they've got a chance and I think Perth Spirit's probably the favourite they've got that class edge a lot of super rugby players in that side and they seem to be really well gelled after their victory last year but I've got to say Fiji are a chance they got flogged in Canberra and you feel like they might be starting to run out of steam but when they play at home god they're almost unbeatable and so I think if they can keep racking up those home victories they got a real chance so I'm tipping a Fiji Perth final um, but uh, if it's in Perth I'm tipping a Spirit um also, just mentioned the Uni Sevens. Uh, the women's Uni Sevens has wrapped up uh, with their final, um, their final tournament uh, last week, and uh, it was the University of Queensland completely dominant in that. Uh, they've, they've established uh, the the start of a uh, of a great era of of dominance in that tournament um, with a, a completely undefeated run. I think they won something like twenty three straight games, which is fantastic. Congratulations to them, and also just great uh, to see. Uh, women's sevens rugby getting uh, more of an airing and, and some of those teams like the University of Tasmania who Reg pointed out, I, I won't take credit for, for Reg's observation, but they they started dead last and they ended up getting, I think, almost onto the podium in the last tournament. And so they've had Luke Burgess down there coaching them. Really great to see that improvement in a, in a non-traditional centre. And, and I look forward to the AU building rugby in Tasmania um, you know, for a period of five to ten years and then completely demolishing it <laughs> as we've done with Western Australia. Um, yes, hello to all the Force fans uh, out there, and also hello to Dave Vessels, obviously um, big listener of the show, and, and uh, great to see him signing with the Melbourne Rebels. And as a lovely segue into the conclusion for this little solo podcast, we might have him on the show next week. What a thrill uh, to have Dave Vessels, the saviour of Australian rugby, uh, Green and Gold rugby fan. Uh, live on the podcast if we remember to hit record. So if not, um, I'll be back here again next week for another uh, solo podcast. Um, But let's hope that doesn't happen. And uh, thanks for listening. I hope this wasn't uh, too mind-numbing, too monotonous. uh, And most people have probably switched off, as I said, by this point anyway. But uh, it was a fun way for me to walk around my kitchen on a Thursday evening. And I look forward to... uh, Hearing you, speaking to you, uh, and having a, a fully functional podcast with Dave Vessels next week.